After we woke up in the morning, it was a quick shot down the mountain. Earlier in the night, we'd heard heavy rain as the frozen onslaught turned to water, luckily. Wanting to waste no time, the snow was supposed to resume at 9 to 10 a.m. We hightailed it out of the seasonal stop and pressed on to warmer climbs further down. The ride down itself was slightly nerve-wracking. Whiskey's head on my shoulder staring out the front, Daniel's hand on Whiskey's head calming him. We picked up the parts, shared one last joint as we watched the icy rain lash the windshield. The wind whipped against the moisture while we both examined our next moves in our heads. I said goodbye to Daniel and Whiskey and headed on my way towards Salt Lake. Unfortunately, roughly two hours into the drive, fate, as it happens, had other plans and threw a new curve on the road. Since I'd gotten to Colorado, I'd seen signs and heard advice to keep an eye on the road. There'd been a lot of rockfall that year, and things were extra active at the moment in terms of things falling, or so I'd heard. A good thing I paid attention to, because coming down the curve of an away road about 30 minutes from anywhere with no shoulder impact, within about 10 feet of the hood of my car, two three-foot chunks of what looked like sandstone suddenly dropped to the road and rolled towards me, resulting in a decision between the cliff and the car. I chose the car. With about a five back-and-forth conversation in my head happening in about a fourth of a second, I decided to take my chances that the car would protect me, although... I took my foot off the gas, trying to lower the front. The goal was to keep it dead center and away from the wheel wells. My biggest worry was that one of these would get lodged underneath the front tire and simply flip the car over the edge of the cliff with the curve and small space. The guardrail was looking pitifully small and weak to be hoping. The instant I hit the rock, it exploded outwards into large chunks of softball-sized rock and my car immediately started scraping. I slid to the side of the road, flapping the plastic undercarriage and trying to keep my wheels straight long enough. There was a sharp drop-off to the right and not much room to stay there. Although no one stopped, I was able to cut off the plastic torn carriage with my pocket knife saw, and I could see blue with my pocket knife saw, and I could see blue fluid dripping onto the ground. I prayed. Maybe it was just the one. The part, ironically, I took Daniel to get was a radiator, and he'd explain to me what was going on with his car to keep him distracted from his situation. And I didn't mind learning something while I drove. From there, I could see the problem was going to be the radiator, at the very least. I slid into town and immediately found the nearest auto shop with a check on the phone about how to get there. I slid my Civic into the parking lot at 2 p.m., and they closed at 5 it was not looking good. Saved was I, however, by the grace of these mechanics. Mountain Auto Repair and Mechanics. This is not a paid post at all, by the way. I'm just super grateful for the help. If you're ever near, I think it's called Heber City, Utah, and need anything auto, hit them up. If I'm near there again, I will drive out of my way to get an oil change or whatever I need. Best mechanics I've ever been to in my life. They were not only able to grab me a radiator, I fully expected at least to be stuck that night, but they stayed open almost two hours to put in. And as I sat there in the 30 minutes before they tossed me the keys, this guy's phone rang, the mechanic, as he put the papers together. The details aren't relevant, but he was being thoroughly ground out by his significant other for being late to dinner. And for that as well, I am 100% grateful. 
If his wife ever hears this podcast, I am so grateful to him. Do not be angry, please. And as we signed some papers and exchanged cash and whatnot, I said, kind of feels like karma. Help, you know, I'd help someone else with their radiator. You know, someone else had helped me with my radiator. And he was like, yeah, you help someone out and then you got a busted radiator for it. And we kind of laughed, but the nice thing was we kind of passed off the get out of jail free card. So, oh, karmically, it's still with them. We laughed and the other mechanic brought things in. He gave me the keys and I gave them a hearty thank you walking out into the dark parking lot. I slid into the growing darkness eyes ahead. It'd been about four hours in town, taking a nap, grabbing a walk towards the horizon line to think about the situation and pray the car would be fixed, and a cup of coffee and a couple of granola bars to fuel up. The reason I fueled up, too, is the decision that I'd made to try and press on through the night to meet up with Dingo, a fellow inaugural gongier who'd seen my post and suggested meeting up since I'd passed by. We'd been at the exam together and both passed. An early riser himself, it'd be no problem rolling into town first thing. Had had two large breaks that day of four hours and one and a half hours, compared to the rest of the ride. But this would turn tonight into what would end up being 19 hours of driving. Left 6 a.m. the day before, arrived around 8 a.m. the next day, just so that this drive makes a little more sense. Four hours in this town and about an hour and a half nap. The trip through the night, however, was quiet. Spectral, to be honest. I stopped for a box of value tacos at a place and gassed up the car, but really, it seemed as if traffic was dropping lower and lower as the full moon got higher and higher. Little did I understand what I was about to experience. Flat. So much flat. It's flat, 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 flat. At one point so unbendingly flat that I checked my mirror to see that it was straight and looked back and saw it was straight again, and I simply screamed. Straight up, simple roar to the landscape, not even put the window down, just screamed at the dashboard. This unending stretch of flat did make me think to myself in my slight boredom, however. Why do we not make an American Autobahn out here? Like, it's not like there's not enough room, and it's not like there's not enough flat. I'm sure there must be an article about this, but I was going by, and at the rest stop out of Salt Lake, you could walk right up to the salt flats that the world speed records are broken on. If there's enough space to go and do something like that, and I understand there are parts that are private land, how come there's not enough room to make a stretch of road just as fast as you want to go? Just an idea. As I pressed on through the night, though, wandering thoughts were kept away with extra coffee and sing-alongs as I watched the road lines curve underneath and behind. At one point, all light extinguished in any direction but up, and I took my foot off the gas and coasted to the side of the road. The clock showed a late night or an early morning, depending on which way you wanted to look at it. The keys rattled on the chain and swung back and forth as I got out, and the gravelly dust coughed underfoot. The moon, hidden behind some cloud, kept silent. Just the dullest silver glow cast over the horizon line. We aren't taught to understand our solitude, but staring out at the desert landscape, the smoke lifted upwards from my hands, and I watched the silent earth in comfort. I got back on the road after a while, a total of two passing cars passing me between the arms of the mountain in about thirty minutes. I closed the door, jangled the keys, 
and felt the road resume against the gas pedals under my feet. My toes so in tune with the car it may as well have been an extension of my foot. As I pulled into the rest stop, I simply replied to Dingo with an update about where I was, set my alarm for 6 a.m., leaned my head against the window, and slept. The circular lights on my phone pushed against my eyes as I opened my lids and unstuck my forehead from the glass. An hour and a half break for sleep and two hours left? We would make it. I slid through the California forest towards Grass Valley. Yes, actually and floated through the pre-dawn morning mountain light. I came to a stop beside Dingo's car, who would be my breakfast savior. We went inside, and he gave me a terrific green juice, and I felt my legs vibrate slightly as we checked out. I felt life surge back into me as I pulled down the green mixture of juice, veg, and all of the things that a long road trip in the car does not provide. Vitamins, minerals, green, and a hint of lemon. Probably the biggest challenge to a dirt bag greens. Most of the time, it's just a whole box of it devoured in two settings or an afternoon. But as Dingo and I passed the joint on his porch, the vitamins and vegetables flooded my system and returned me to human, my body soaking in the much-needed substances in every way. We talked shop and cut up, but after a few hours, I felt the thrill of arrival and hanging with Dingo wear off and my eyes drooped. My responses slowed. Generously, Dingo let me close my eyes in the back while he watched the baseball game on TV, and I put myself down on the carpeted cloud. I napped in exhaustion, making up for lost time with two to three hours feeling like five or six. I opened my eyes, multitudes more functional, and watched some of the baseball game with Dingo, Braves and Dodgers, as well as smoked another joint. At that point, the afternoon had arrived and it was time for me to hit the road. I got a hug, we agreed to meet up if I was in the area, and I resumed my cruise. I continued to Garberville where I would find sanctuary for the night, and an end to the greatest part of my journey in driving, and the beginning of my time in Humboldt County.